Welcome to Geek Out Weekly, the podcast where we geek out not so strongly on a roughly seven-day basis. I'm your host, Adil, and I'm joined this week by Nick Box. Hello. So, this is one of our more interviewee, less pop culture ephemera uh, episodes. So, today we're just talking to Nick about what Nick does. And Nick is a filmmaker, FMV video game uh, developer and producer, as well as... Uh, a podcaster himself. Um, yeah. So I thought, uh, rather than uh, me poke at you with various questions, why don't you just tell us the audience just a you know a short blurb about what you do, etc., and then I'll, I will, and then we'll go from there. We're also just basically gonna chat around for an hour and see where the conversation takes us. I like that idea a lot. So yeah, um, I'm Nick Nick Box. I am a filmmaker, um, award-winning filmmaker, I should say. Um, FMV game developer, video artist, and podcaster, and anything else creative I can get my fingers involved in over the years. I've done it all. Music promotion, uh, flyer design, I've done all sorts over the years. But yeah, I mean, predominantly uh, filmmaker and game developer are the the two things I'm most proud of. Um, So I basically started making films in the early 2000s. I was obsessed with films and games as a kid didn't have a lot of friends because I was bullied so I used to spend all my days hanging out in video shops and arcades and uh, basically would hang around until I got annoying and they'd give me a free rental and I'd move on to the next video shop nice. and at weekends I'd just spend all day, all day in the arcades so that was like my youth I kind of educated myself on films wanted to get into the film industry decided to go to university when I was in my mid-twenties so as a mature student um, studying special effects but obviously, because I didn't have much of a childhood, that was my childhood, my teenage years when I was in my mid-twenties. So I partied a lot. And then came out of uni, couldn't find a job. So I started making exploitation horror movies. And um, I made a film called Brutal Jesus, about serial killer Jesus, um, for £10. The only budget we had for it was to buy a Bible and a bed sheet. And that film blew up on the underground horror DVD um, circuit around the world back in 2010. And that sort of enabled me then to move on and start making slightly bigger, silly, obscure films. And I did that for a few years, um, got to travel around Europe and America, got to um, get a film premiered at Cannes, uh, which was quite exciting. I made a film with um, the uh, rock star Andrew WK. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and um, so we made a I made a film with him, and basically we took him to a safari park and to do an interview, and he lost it and went completely crazy in the safari park and wanted to kill all the animals and was like ranting about how the world's a concrete ball. <laughs> it went yeah, a bit it nuts. Does sound like Andrew W. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'd I'd known the guy for, or at that point, I'd already known him for nine years because um, I was a big fan and. Basically, my friend ran a uh, music magazine, and in 2003, we blagged our way uh, to get an interview with him, but more because we were fans rather than serious. And from that moment onwards, we stayed friends. And every time he came over to the UK, we'd go and do an interview for my friend's magazine. And at one time, he was playing a festival at a safari park. So we went and did this interview with him, and it basically spiraled out of control, and he went crazy. We caught it all on camera. And I thought, we're never going to be able to release this. And because he knew us, he said, no, you can release it, it's fine. Nice. And the next thing I knew, we were premiering in Germany. We had a screening in Cannes. And it just it just blew up and went nuts. 
so that was quite exciting. Um, in recent years, I've kind of calmed down from the films because it's not as easy to um, go out and shoot them, especially with like, the pandemic, but also the way the climate's changed. Um, when I got into it, it was all about DVDs and you could, you could get your stuff seen a little bit more, um, especially on the level of films I make, you know, very trashy underground films. Right. Um, these days, with the way anyone can make a film and anyone can put it on a VOD site like Amazon, it's a lot harder to get seen. Oh, so, so I was looking. F- yeah, I'm going to interrupt there because I, I, I mean, the narrative is is the exact opposite there. So I just want to hear a little bit more about about that, which is like because the narratives, well, anyone can put it there, so you you can get yeah. exposure. But is it just like, yeah, everyone says you know it's. it's it's the democratization of, of filmmaking, right? Yeah. So, so anyone can, can, you no longer have to know the right people or network in order to get big, but you're saying this isn't the case? No, now it's, it's easier than ever to get a film out. I mean, literally, I know people that uh, have said to me, I want to make a film, so go out and do, go out and do it, and within a couple of months, they've done it. But the trouble is now is it's so much harder. I mean, I obviously... I got in for a niche. I mean, I, I specifically targeted a niche genre, uh, horror fans, underground, trashy exploitation horror films. And that is a community that's, that thrives upon collecting. So right. straight away, I, 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 that was my way in. I knew that if I'd gone out and made something with kind of mainstream appeal, I'd still be battling to get seen. But if right. I made something that was shocking and trashy, I could get in through through that way of doing it and thankfully in like sort of 2008 2009 when i started youtube was starting to get bigger and there was a lot of these collectors on youtube so i got my film into their hands and i mean our first film i mean the first film brutal jesus we sold around three thousand copies of it on dvd self oh wow so this was before before we got distribution and um you know i, I basically i just left university and i spent my days um packing up DVDs and going to and from to and from the post office for months, you know. And that's that's how it all started. Then it was going around to conventions and promoting it. These days you can make a film and you can literally with a click of a button put it on Amazon and it's released. But it's so much there's so much content out there now, uh, it's harder to get Noticed? Noticed. So it's, it's know, like a, it's, it's a all, glut of just so many yeah. things that it's just yeah, crowded out. Yeah, it's just out. so hard. I mean, in the last few films that I've released, I mean, the I mean, I don't know. My films could be getting worse, but at the same time, it's um, the you know the the numbers are just nothing like like I saw back in the day when you know DVD was a thing and and it was more. I mean, again, like I am in a niche genre, but I do think of anything. I mean, there's so much out there now. I mean, like, you go on Amazon. And it's because it, Amazon's uncurated, unlike the likes of Netflix where it's curated. Right. Amazon's uncurated, and there's so much trash on there, and it's it, everything just gets you know washed out. It's a lot harder to get noticed as a filmmaker now than it was ten years ago when right. I started, or well, thirteen years ago when it was I got my first film out. Yeah, that, that makes um, sense. Uh, yeah. Like I, so, I'm just thinking about my time on Amazon, and when once you get to the non-mainstream stuff, it's like films like this, and it just seems like random sort of b-grade poor oh. transfers of something that someone yeah. had the rights to um i just never connected that to i guess discoverability is probably the, yeah, the term we're looking for it's really it has really has changed uh, i mean i 
I'm completely lost with it all now. I mean, I've, I got, took a few years of just like taking a seat back. I was still making stuff, but I was like, uh, I mean, and the other problem I had was distribution because again, on this level, uh, I mean, a lot of my films got picked up um, with, by distributors in the States. So like we went to the States one year and walked into Walmart and in the bargain bin in Walmart, there's a box set of my films. Oh, wow. You know? uh, amazing. But did I ever see a penny of any of that? No, because these these distributors, what they would do is they would print enough copies to cover their initial costs. And then unless it was like a super huge hit, they wouldn't print any more. So you'd never get to the point where they'd end up paying you any royalties. Mm. Um, you know, and they, again, I mean, you got to weigh it up. I mean, I was always happy for the exposure. I mean, I didn't mind that I wasn't earning loads of money from it. It was just, it was just the fact that I was getting the exposure. But... Obviously, when I when I already had a taste for making money from it from doing the self distribution, but obviously you only you only can only get to a certain level with that, and then it's it's hard to go any further. And you know, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of these costs I was uh, incurring for going out to promote them and to all these events. I mean, I get flown off to some events where I, they would pay for it, but then by the time I'd got my stock out there and people to help me out there and all of this sort of stuff, end up costing me more than I ever made. But it was a really exciting exciting time now i'm a parent and uh, the way the world's changed it's a bit more difficult to go out and make these wild films right so i took the leap from taking all this all these years of content i've got and started filing it into my other passion which is games and making fmv games and i've been doing that for the last 11 months and and it's been that's been a, a crazy ride within itself but at least I haven't had to leave the house to do anything. <laughs> um, yeah, and just for those those who are less familiar with gaming in our audience, uh, FMV stands for Full Motion Video. So these are the games that have actual clips of actors recorded, uh, you know, like clips from... Uh, and then the gameplay is overlaid on top of that. So, that, so it's yeah. a lot of large parts of the game are watching full motion video, actual actors doing things, and you are, you are in some way mechanically... Um, navigating through the game and getting more pieces of, of, of or clips um, throughout things. So I think the one of the bigger FMV games uh, was it her for her? Oh, front and her story. Her story. Thank her you. Her story. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's probably one of the biggest um, uh, FMV games of this generation. Yeah. 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 I think I, yeah I'm trying to get people story. who yeah. might like touch points rather than the yeah. old school ones. <laughs> um, but I'm guessing you grew up. Uh, did you play a lot of FMV games growing up, or no, is this just a newer? No. Okay. No, I I, I had a um, a Mega CD, Sega CD when it came out, um, and obviously because I was a massive film fan, that it was the FMV that really attracted me to it, um, and that was kind of also is around the time when I was really getting into horror, and um, Night Trap came out. I was, yeah, one, I was like, my know. brain is trying to find the title of this, but you've got there. So, <laughs> so for those who don't know, Night Trap was basically like the the biggest uh, and most controversial FMV game of the time. Um, so when this full motion video bug hit in the early nineties, I mean, it did start before then. If you look at things like Dragon's Lair, but yeah. we say the early nineties when like um, the Mega CD, the CDI, the 3DO, all these like sort of first gen CD based consoles that could handle FMV came out. Night Trap came out. Now Night Trap was basically an interactive horror film where you um, watched a, a group of teenage girls in a house and you'd have to go through different rooms. And there was like 
vampire creatures that were basically men in balaclavas with big sticks wandering around the house and you'd have to get to certain points of the house at certain times to trap them to uncover the rest of the movie otherwise the movie would end and that game came out when i was 13 um and it blew my mind because i was obviously this sort of video game horror movie nerd and there was all of a sudden this game where i could play an actual horror movie and I obsessed over this game for years. Um, so much so that this game was, in the States, was the reason why they brought in the rating system. This and Mortal Kombat were the two games that they took to the uh, courts to, uh, you know, to... To, to lobby uh, for, for, for yeah, something. Yeah, to lobby for it, yeah. Um, so that game was a game I was obsessed with for years. And when I was at university, uh, for my final project, I wanted to make an interactive FMV game, an interactive film. And I basically wrote part of my dissertation in the aim to make one of these games. And then my lecturer basically told me I'd bitten off more than I could chew and to change what I was doing my dissertation about. Mm. So I, I did. I changed it to um, animated rotoscoping. But uh, that planted the seed back then. I wanted to get into this FMB stuff. And for years with doing the films, I've always felt like I wanted to have a go at it, but I didn't really know where to start. And it wasn't really until the start of last year, uh, sort of start of lockdown, where I had another look into it and realised that it was actually quite doable. So I started looking for all the old films I had, some some unreleased projects and some of my lesser known ones first. I started carving them into these weird, wacky FMB games. And before I knew it, um, I dropped a few for a few game jams on on itch. And I was getting some pretty good feedback on them. Uh, I mean, some of them were very simple, but I was getting some really good feedback. So then I bit off the bullet and decided I was going to try and do one of these a month and release them on Steam. Which is and that's uh, an admirable goal. Like, that's that's not an easy thing to do either, speaking no. of biting off a lot. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Like, I mean, especially when I, I only have, like, uh, maybe one full day a week to work on them and then, like, sort of three hours every night. Uh, to do it but I really like I went I mean I'm the sort of person that always throws myself guns blazing into everything I do I can never just like have a quick go at something I need to like just throw myself right into it and um, yeah I mean for the last year it's become a bit of an obsession every single moment I've had free I've just been like must must work on these games and then I also didn't like sort of expect all of the extra work you've got to do once the game's out you know obviously updates and uh, addressing it on all the promotion and and stuff like that so you know it was a lot of work and i've I've now like this last week come to the uh, realization that i'm definitely not going to get out one a month out anymore um i've definitely bit off one look at you there but i'm not giving up they're still going to be coming out uh but yeah they're slowing up a bit now so is uh, it um is it just you literally just me i mean obviously the films were made were shot years ago, so a lot of the hard work was done with them. Right. Um, but as as it stands, it's I do everything like you know all the programming, all the design, all the promotion, everything. Now, um, out of curiosity, this is kind of a left field thing, but I'm just curious: what um, did you? Are you working off of a single engine, or is this? I st- At the moment, I've been using one engine called um, Tyranno Builder which is a um, it's a visual novel engine. Um, uh-huh. But I've read that a few other people have used it for FMV. And it was the easiest way to, to start. 
Um, so the first, the, well, all the ones I've released so far have been made in Tirana Builder. However, as I've gone along on this journey, um, I've learned a lot more about Unity and some other engines. Yeah. And um, someone's just recently released uh, an engine uh, within Unity that, that does FMV. Oh, cool. Trials. And it's really cool. Like a Unity module been, set kind of thing? Yeah, so you, yeah, so Unity, uh, basically it's the guys that made that FMV game about the, about uh, one of the foreign wars. Um, I think they're called Ch Team Charles or something. And yeah, they, they basically released this Charles engine and it's really good. I've, I've been playing around with it. I haven't so finished anything in it yet, but it, it's, it puts it all in, inside Unity, which makes it so much easier um, support to put on Steam to do things like even things like achievements, which is really limited on the engine I've been using at the moment. Right, I didn't even um, think about Chivos. Yeah, I mean the way there is a way of doing it on uh, Tyranno Builder, um, and I tried to implement it on one of my games, but I still haven't got it working yet. So I have to keep people keep asking me on Steam like, where when are the achievements coming? I'm like, they are coming. I've just got to work out how to get this damn thing to work. Um. One of the things, so I've played, uh, I mean, we, we, you came to our attention here at Out of Lives because we got a key for Dracula versus Ninja on the Moon. Uh, yeah. And I streamed it for first looks. And then we talked about it on Tank Tap and you popped in the chat. Um, yeah. and, and that was really, really cool for us as well. Um, but since then, you've, you've given us some codes and I've, I've played a few of your other games. And um, yeah. I, I just saw a couple of sort of thoughts came to mind. Um, one was, uh, so you had mentioned on, on Tanked Up and just now that uh, the, this is all like footage you have from, say, projects that you didn't come to fruition or very, yeah. right, basically, right? It's like things you have yeah, put that's in the other places. Gist. Most of them, I mean, like, um, so Violent Vicar uh, was completed as a, as a sort of 25 minute film, but it was two cuts of it. So that was the first one I made into a game because simple, I, had, I had two alternative cuts. So I just put them together and you could basically jump between the two so you could make your own version of the film. Right. So that was oh, the easiest so way yeah, to yeah. start. Yeah. Uh, but then things like Fiendish Thieves. Fiendish Thieves was a, um, a short film that we were shoot, I shot back in 2012 in a basement of an old cinema. And the problem with that was uh, the audio was completely destroyed on it. And oh. I could never release it. Uh, basically, we recorded. Um, uh, so we, had, we got one of those new Zoom units at the time. We recorded it, and when we tried to get the audio back, it was just unusable. And uh, so we only had the audio we got from the camera. And because we were in like a, a basement of a cinema, right. there was like loads of electrical disturbances. So I just couldn't use it. So for years, I just sat on this footage and just sat there. I had no clue about what I was going to do with it. And then when I started doing this game thing, I thought, well, maybe I could carve something out of it and fix the sound as best as I could and then look, kind of add that into part of the gimmick of the game, you know, that's got bad audio. And I spoke to um, YouTuber um, Sean C. Phillips, cool dude. He's a, quite a big movie YouTuber and he's appeared in a few of my films. Got him to shoot a wraparound for it and then released it as a, as a game. Uh, so yeah, that one was completely like never seen before. It's never seen as a film. Um, the game was the first time you ever got to see that footage, and uh, so that was quite good. And then a few of the ones I've made for jams, again, I've used like footage we've used from like short films that I'd made for competitions and stuff that was very rarely seen. 
Um, and then, yeah, so so you're basically just recycling old footage and just like trying to carve a story around what alternative takes I have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that was the, one of the things that really struck me uh, when I started to think about it was um, you've you've sort of it's like a very interesting approach to game design that you don't often see, which is like make game fit with something that exists over here rather than I presumably like for her story, right? They, they script the whole thing out. They have a game yeah. designed and then they film these things around yeah. that and they take multiple takes to, and you know, maybe mid production, they might write some new scenes or whatever and, 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 you know, fix a path while you, just you don't get that luxury, right? You, you don't, yeah, you're yeah. just like, yeah. how do I do this? And so I'm just, I'm wondering if you could maybe speak to us just a, a bit more about like how you approach so, yeah, gaming I mean, something that sort of sits, <laughs> that's currently in your closet. Well, that's it. So basically like for each one, I have to like think of like a different way around it. So obviously like Violent Vicar was the first and I kept that as simple as I could be. There was two cuts of the film some alternative scenes. So at the end of each scene, I just gave you an option. Uh, a super kill or a normal kill. A super kill was literally, I got the kill scene and I extended it a little bit. <laughs> so that's right. all I did. And then there was a there was a, a Jesus character. In one cut, he was like uh, very jive talking and angry. And in the other cut, he was um, very placid. So I basically used the fact that we had like these two Jesus characters. Then the other lucky thing I had with that is Chris, one of the guys I'd used in the film, I'd shot some other footage of him for a, another project that never got finished, where he was melting. So I basically used. Sorry, I just that wasn't footage. expecting that that casual <laughs> where he was melting. He was just melting, yeah. yeah. So I used the footage of him melting, and I put it into the game as an alternative death, so you could curse him. But that cursed footage is is shot in the same location that I shot the stuff of Violent Vicar but it was shot like a year earlier or something and it was just like from a completely different project but just slammed it in there but I mean that was just my first game it was very very simple I just wanted to test the waters when it got to things like um, Fiendish Thieves I knew it, there was a premise for a game there because it was these two basic, the basic gist is it's Home Alone meets Frankenstein so you've got two thieves wandering around a warehouse trying to find a pocket watch and they're going in and out of different rooms so I thought, well, there's my premise. You've got to navigate these people through the rooms. Now, how am I going to stretch that out and turn it into a game? So I basically drew it out a bit like a map. And then I had footage of them walking upstairs. So basically, a lot of the game, unfortunately, is men wandering around in the dark, wandering upstairs, with looped footage used over and over again. I've tried to mix it up a little bit, but it all still looks pretty similar. Um, but the whole thing is essentially a maze. Um and you can you can actually get through the whole game, and I think I worked out in about nine moves you could actually okay. get through the whole game. But, Speed run strats. Yeah, exactly. But the whole way of, of trying to find out those those nine moves, you know, is going to have you going all over the place, um, and that has led to some frustration from some players, but other people kind of dig it, kind of dig the fact that. Um, you know, it, I've kind of stretched this, this what would have been probably like a 20 minute film into what could be like a two hour experience if you get really lost. Um, you know, and then I've got, there's alternative, there's a few alternative takes and cuts of different rooms they entered. So there's a, so it mixes it itself up a little bit. And then I also um, cut the ending down. So I got two endings. Mm. So there's one ending you'll get with a completely different character that you've not even seen in the rest of the film. 
if you do the um, if you navigate through the maze in the correct order and not many oh. people will get to that ending which is quite exciting so there's one ending where it just ends as you would think it would end and then there's this, this secret ending and I kind of just use that basis for most of the ones I've made um, but then it, it gets a bit different like I did one called um, Christ Trap which is using my first film uh, Brutal Jesus and basically I made a homage to Night Trap Right. Um, so basically uh, that takes place where Jesus goes into a house and there's like these drugged up um, punks in all these different rooms of the house and if any of those punks escape the house it's game over so you've got to navigate through different rooms of the house at different time points so that you can kill the the, the the punk and move on to the next room and I say I did that as a, like a full on homage to Night Trap um, you know even made it look a bit similar and that one so far I've only released on Itch. Um, that was plan. I planned for that to be my next Steam release, but um, I would like to do a few more bits with it before I get onto there. But it's just yeah. I mean, I just take what I've got and then just like reverse engineer it into some form of a game. Um, classic example really is uh, Dracula versus the Ninja. Um, so Dracula versus the Ninja. There's quite a long backstory, but it's best I jump into it. Um, so basically, it, yeah. when I was at university in 2007, 2008, they built a new media studio and they wanted us to make a project where we could just show off how to use the equipment. Now, back then, I was a student. I was in my mid-20s. I was a bit of a stoner. And me and my friend Mark would basically <laughs> sit up every night after class getting stoned, watching um, old ninja films and older uh, B-movies and just talking crap and playing playing games. And when it came to doing this, this like make a three minute short film, we just decided that we'd go all out and we'd make like a full length, cut and paste, really, really, really bad film. And we went out and we shot Dracula versus the Ninja. And like where everyone else had done like a couple of minutes, we turned up with this 45 minute, like mess of a film yeah <laughs> it was like it was really it was a really messy film it was like black and white uh we, we purposely did poor dubbing on it poor cuts it was just it was awful but we just did it for a laugh and we still got the grade because we'd done all the things shown off what we could do yeah and then um, people found it funny and then a few months later um we were out at the student union one night and someone came up to us and said you're the guys that made that ninja film and we're like, what? Like, oh, yeah, my friend showed me this ninja film you've made. And one of my friends said, I've just been at a party and they're showing your ninja film. And I'm like, what do you mean they're showing my ninja film? And the word had got around about our film. And somehow we'd given a DVDR of it to someone uh, on campus. And just, this thing was spreading like wildfire. Yeah. And people, students were going out drinking, coming back and going, oh, you want to watch this silly ninja film that these guys have made? And it became like this viral thing around the campus. Then we got approached by a local bar if they, they wanted to screen it in a bar. So nice. we had a screening in a bar. It, it just it went it went pretty nuts for a little bit while I was at university. And it was, just, it was kind of cool. Then when I came out of uni and I started like making more legit films and getting a name for myself with them, it was just on the back burner. And then in the midst of it all, because people were like, you know, desperate for me and my stuff. I thought, I'll sod it, I'll, I'll colorize it and I'll make a, a, a limited release. And in 2011, I put out a limited run of like 30 DVDs and 30 VHS. And again, just forgot about it. And mm -hmm. over the years, like I'd go to conventions and things like that and people would always like 
mentioned this film and it, it kind of like got its own legs and went off on its own path as this really purposely bad silly ninja film that we'd made and um it was kind of like this cool little cult thing that i'd done but i was never too proud of it because i always did think it was a bit a bit messy um then cut to october of last year and i wake up one saturday morning and i've got messages on twitter i've got youtube emails saying you've got comments on the video and i've got friends saying to me nick have you have you checked yeah, you Dracula versus the Ninja trailer. I'm like, no. And all of a sudden, my views had shut up like by a thousand views in like a night. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, it turns out James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, oh, yeah. had basically done a video on a ninja game and had mentioned a film called Ninjas on the Moon as it was a, it was a joke film that he'd made up specifically for that episode. And People had then Googled that film, couldn't find that film, but found Dracula's versus the Ninja on the Moon and was all of a sudden all talking about it. So I reached out to James and he said I could basically use his cover art and do a, like a limited release of Dracula versus the Ninja on the Moon using his Ninjas on the Moon right. cover. And all of a sudden it just brought like that little obscure film I made back into the limelight again. So I thought, oh, sod it. If this is popularity with it, why don't I try and turn that into a game? But I had no idea on how to do it because I've got none of the raw footage anymore. I've literally just got like oh. this one cut I'd made of the film in 2011. I've still got the tape somewhere, but I've got no way of like transferring the tapes to my computer. And I just thought, how the hell am I going to make this into a game? And then it just dawned on me. I just thought, well, why don't I just make a VHS simulator? So I just got the film and then I overlaid the film with a load of like really bad effects as it gradually got worse through the film and then just cut it up and you literally play the game and you click left or right on the tracking and it either gets better or worse. Yep. And that is that is all the game is. It's literally two, two commands and it's, can you get through the film without uh, any interruptions. Then I took a few other unfinished, um, unused bits of footage I had from over the years spliced them in as like they were recorded over the tape at certain segments so you had some hidden yeah. bits and um i put it out on um itch as part of a game jam and it got some good feedback it came like first for like um idea right and i thought oh sorry i just put it out on steam as a gp and it's kind of like a game like got got a bit of fandom like some people just look at it and don't get it but there's a lot of people who are really getting quite, you know, into it and are enjoying like how quirky it is, really. Yeah, I mean, I really liked it. Uh, the full vod of my playthroughs, I uh, did a couple, um, is on our YouTube channel now. Um, yeah, I but, started to watch one of them. Yeah, uh, and uh, the one, I, I'm a person who likes breaking games to the point where sometimes I break them when I don't even try. And so, like the one thing I noted uh, noticed was if you clicked in the middle like on the thing your your like player would skip to the end of that scene yeah and i didn't i had to figure out what was going on because i was just like you know in the beginning you just try different things and I kept like so i like missed large swaths of it on one of my my first run because i was, didn't realize that i was i was triggering an event to to skip to the next scene and so i was like yeah. wow this is really disjointed and then well, and then i hit the credits so i was like that was real quick play it again it's like hey i've not seen this scene Oh, what have I been doing? Um, but like what I really enjoyed and what I kind of wish, like one of the things I wish 
was fine on stream. I had people watching with me, but like this is the type of game that I want. Like, boy, in in the mythical aftertimes, like I'm I'm used to run bad movie nights or well, still run a movie night. Uh, in back when I lived in Canada, back when I lived in the Netherlands, and when I first moved to Bristol, which was like, I'd try and find uh, a, a decent to good movie and a bad movie that were linked together by some tenuous theme and do double yeah, feature. Yeah, yeah. So if you wanted to see a good movie, you could come for the beginning of the night. And if you want to see a bad movie, you could come at the end or you could just sit through all of them. And obviously drinks would be happening. So by the time you got yeah. to the bad movie, everyone was in, you know, in the mood to, to sort of talk over, chat, enjoy the thing. And I'm like, oh, this is exactly the type of thing I could easily play at one of those, right? Like invite a bunch of people yeah. over, watch it. Someone's at the keyboard or at the mouse, like with a wireless mouse and hitting the tracking buttons. But really it's just watch this fun movie, right? Yeah. And and I, I really appreciated that until I fa- until I was trying to experiment with what was making things skip, it was cohesive and, and it was just kind of yeah. like watching the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, funny enough, I fixed that. The, the skipping issue was basically a mistake on my part. So when I'm testing the game, I don't want to sit through it over and over again. Yeah. So I switched all the videos, all the, all the clips in the game to skippable. And then when I rendered it out and uploaded it to Steam, I forgot to turn the skippable option gotcha. off. And then the day it came out, which was the Tuesday, which is um, when I yeah, when I yeah. played it, I think, yeah. So basically, I was I was at work on a twelve hour shift that day, and in the middle of the day, I noticed that someone on YouTube had done the same thing and was skipping through it. So all I wanted to do was get home that night and fix Thank this you. issue. I got in. I came in from work about nine o'clock at night. I sat down on the computer. I went straight into uh, the engine and, and fixed it. And as I did that on Twitter, it came up that you were talking about it. So I clicked on the stream. And just like I came onto the stream, you mentioned it. Oh, and I was right. like, I've just fixed that. <laughs> now I remember that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just brilliant timing that. But yeah, um, so that was that was a mistake on my part. Because um, there were some people that just like, the first few playthroughs I saw, no one knew what the hell they were doing. Well, I mean, that's so, the thing, right? Because like you, you want it to be emergent for, for people like, okay, so... What happens with tracking? Well, I see these big arrows, and that seems to do things. Oh, what happens if I click in the middle? Like, it's totally yeah. understandable that people might. And so given that there was this bug or, like, flag yeah. that you hadn't flipped, I get why people could easily just go, like, well, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could speed run it in, like, in, like, 20 seconds if you just click, like, fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Just sit there going um, like this. And then I had, I had the reverse issue with... Um, with another game I put out, Fleshy in Geriatric Internet Predator. Mm. Uh, and on that game, um, basically I released it so you couldn't skip any of the clips. But there's, um, basically with that one, you have to select three, three film strips. Yeah, one plays the correct scene. One plays like a scene from a completely alternative movie that's really weird and messed up. And the other scene's game over. But sometimes these game overs will take you back like two scenes. Um, and then you've got to watch for all the footage again. So when I first released it, People were enjoying it, but they were hating the fact that they'd have to watch the same footage over and over again. So then when that released, I had to make the, to make the clips skippable so you could get past right. those bits. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, swings and roundabouts. I mean, that, so yeah, so like I, I, I've played a bit of that one and Fiendish Thieves and uh, the, all the way through um, Vampire uh, Dracula, sorry, versus Ninja on the Moon. Mm. Um, and I really like the the spins you have on sort of well i have sort of this linear movie roughly and 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 how do i make something interesting and so like uh i like that 
on the Dracula game, like I said, it's you watch the whole thing outside of the bug that is no longer there. Yeah. Um, you just get to watch the whole thing, and there are some Easter eggs, as you were saying, but mostly yeah, it's yeah. just watch it and then sort of have... I think it's such a fun, cohesive movie, and this just feels like, like just a wrapping around it of like some interactivity that allows you to get to hidden scenes so it's you can watch it more than once and see different things, but really it's just watch this fun movie. I thought that was a really cool way of putting it out there on, on a platform where people can easily, you know, support it and share it and yeah. send links. Um, and then, yeah, with the, um, the preacher one, preacher. Yeah. Vicar. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm getting like clearly synonyms <laughs> in my head. Um, yeah. That, that one's more like a, a branching path that the gameplay yeah. is find the path you're kind of like it's like a tree yeah. that you are navigating up and then back down and then figuring yeah. out and you're just like i mean with that one i say it was like because it was the first one I, I made and i mean if anybody plays that game i would recommend just always click bad vicar and normal kill and you'll mm. see the film the way it was supposed to see gotcha. um i mean i like i carved together at one point we were going to shoot a sequel to that film and we shot like a bit of a training montage and then i used that as a alternative training montage in the um in the game version, and, hmm. I mean, you can see that the actor like looks completely different in the in that, in that training montage, and it was like I threw it together what I had. It's awful, and it goes on like way too long. And I, I, whenever I watch streams of it, and people click on that on that point where I know it's going to bring that training montage up, I just cringe. I just go, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I just wish you had the original training montage because the new one's bad. But again, it was just something I like. That game was me just testing the waters to see how you know these would these would fare really in the in the world of FMV games, uh, so it was a good one to start with. Yeah, and then you've got the, like you said, the Fiendish Thieves is kind of like a maze. Yeah, and then so is um, Internet Predator, geriatric. Internet Predator, yeah, well, that one. I mean. That one again, it really, really with that one, it's it's more of a luck based thing. Uh, I yeah, because there's no can, hints really. It's just you, know, you, you can call the you can call the guy in the top corner. I called him the little, first time and he told me to fuck he, off, so I stopped yeah. calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. It it does give you a bit of abuse. Um, he does help you a few times, but um, it is more really just a bit of luck. Um, I should have. I, I, looking back at it now, I wish I'd like put like little little clues, like maybe dots or cigarette burns in the actual scenes, so mm. then you'd get a clear idea of what to pick next. But really and truthfully, it is just trial and error. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Which is there's fine. been a few people... Yeah, it's just fine and fun, but I mean, I, I should have really given it a bit more of a mechanic to try and work out which strips to pick. Oh, see, the, um, the way I made it more challenging was I refused to take notes. <laughs> so then, then it was like, can I remember the sequence? And then so... Because sometimes it's like fire you back quite far back, and sometimes it's like you go back two spaces. And then it's like, yeah, oh, where in the sequence? Ah, crap! And there's a click. No, that was the wrong one. And that actually, not taking notes and trying to navigate was actually an interesting, like, emergent mechanic of like, oh, yeah, uh, how many? Se like when you go when it says go back two scenes, it's like, oh, I wasn't paying attention to what was two scenes ago. <laughs> so what? And then you're like, I can't. I guess I click a thing. I'm like, oh, it's this scene. So then, or whatever, right? It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I found that that interesting because it was, um, you know, like it's a pretty, like as you said, it's a simple mechanic to lay on top of it, but also 
yeah, there's ways you can spin around it. And of course, as you said, you, you can learn how to make it sort of more engaging or, or whatever. And there's not like yeah. the, the bear mechanic is click on the, the three things and yeah. figure out the path. And then like how you dress that up kind of changes how people might feel about it. Exactly. And I mean, also, I mean, people, because I mean, the way we did that was there was a, it was a short film that we made. Um, I made with a guy called Kurt Dirt, who is a um, sort of one man industrial um, musician slash filmmaker slash performance artist um real quirky awesome awesome guy um who lives in the same town i live in and when we moved here we both had a link because we both worked for troma and we've both done films for troma oh i mean Um, that's that's some bona fides right there (laughs) so basically we became really good friends because of that he he'd composed some music for troma i sold a film to troma uh, well, I say sold a film, got distributed by Super Troma. Uh, and um, yeah, so we basically we, we connected through that. And because for years and years, everybody said, like, do you guys know each other? Because I, I moved, I, I mean, I'm, I'm from your neck of the woods, I'm from down south, but I've moved to Blackpool uh, eight years ago. Okay. And when I moved here, everyone was like, well, do you know Kurt Dirt? And I'm like, no, you two would get on really, really well. And we, we met, and yeah, and for a few years, we made, we made quite a few little films together. And we made this one for a competition. And then the other footage, where you see the, the weird grandma stuff. Yeah. That was all stuff that Kurt had shot himself for a, um, a, a, a project he was doing to advertise a, a tour where he was playing concerts in toilets or something. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, I asked him if I could use that. And he, he was like, oh, yeah, of course you can over the moon. And it just works so well. If you click the wrong scene in this game, you just get the most surreal, scary footage. Yeah, the, the, the ver- first time I hit one of those, I was like, what just happened? <laughs> there was like, the head was being put in the toaster oven or whatever. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. <laughs> did not expect. I mean, that, that game is, is, is perfect to watch streamed. I mean, that game really is, is made for streaming. I mean, it, it's brilliant watching people stream it. I mean, the first week before I'd uh, added the skip uh, scene mechanic, I mean, people were streaming this thing for hours trying to get through it. Right. They were getting so frustrated with going back and watching the same scenes over and over again, but they were, they were sticking with it. And it was it was just fantastic, like, just sitting there watching these streams every night. Um, a few people were a bit scared to stream it. We had one massive streamer. Um, like Northern Lion, his name is. Mm. Um, like something like eight hundred thousand followers or something. Wow. Okay. He had seventy five thousand people watching him, and he decides to stream my game. And he gets to the scene. He gets to the scene where um, the Kurt's rubbing his nipple, mm. and he, he goes, "I can't do this," and turns it off midstream. <laughs> oh no! I mean, that's pretty funny. It's also a great <laughs> advertisement in and of itself. Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, I, I got sales from it. I, um, he even spoke to me and like apologized. And I was like, no, I totally understand, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean that that really peaked. I think I got like you know about twenty sales off the back of that. So it nice. was, you know, it was worth it was worth doing. But um, I've had a few occasions where I say like people have picked it up and been too scared to play it. Um, someone did write to Twitch uh, asking if it was safe to play, and they've waited over a month and never got a response. So they just played it in the end. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, Twitch is notoriously hard to get a hold of um but i mean that that actually loops back really nicely to um kind of the thing we talked about at the top of the hour which was 
your frustration as a filmmaker via the lack of discoverability because there's a glut of anyone can put anything out, out there and the platforms that are accepting more indie things are blanket accepting them like like amazon yeah. just and and i mean it sounds like what you're finding is like uh, the you not only are you finding a, a new purpose for these um this older footage or this footage that you used once before but never again um is that you're also finding that like between youtube vods and twitch streams you're finding that it feels like you're it sounds very similar to what you were looking for it's that discoverability it's the fact that it's like the passing around of the dvds in in your college days that is exactly why i'm doing it i mean it's literally to find a new platform i've always like gravitated to you know, either unusual formats or new platforms and any way to get my stuff seen, you know. I mean, there's been times in the past where I've had films uh, projected in an empty shop, you know, and people have walked past and seen bits of my films when they've walked past the shop. It's any sort of new way of getting my stuff seen is the way I want to tackle it. And I think uh, adding that uh, aspect of interactability and the fact that we now are blessed with the likes of YouTube and Twitch, so people can see my stuff. And I mean, every, every day I wake up and I go onto YouTube and I find someone's played my game, or one of my games overnight. And it's brilliant. First thing in the morning, I'm sitting there sorting the baby out, watching someone play my games. And then reading the comments, uh, you know, you get the mixed advice. Some people say, what the fuck is this? This is awful. And then you get other people who are genuinely interested in what I do. And, you know, um, I've gained a lot more Twitter followers. Um, and I've found myself into some interesting places online. You know, I've had a few people want to talk to me and reach out to me. Um, I've spoken to other developers. Um, you know, all of this has come literally from me just going, I'll try something a bit different, you know. And that's what I've always done. Uh, I mean, at the moment, I won't go too much into it. But my latest craze is uh, turning my films into NFTs. Uh, because oh, yeah. there's a huge buzz with that at the moment. Um, so I'm trying to sell some of my films as one-of-a-kind NFTs. Uh, for those of you who don't know, non-fungible tokens. And um, like uh, this morning, I had an article written about me in Sight and Sound magazine. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. I've been a, been a filmmaker for all these years, and I finally get mentioned in, in the most prestigious magazine. But it's just about me trying to sell one of my films. <laughs> hey, I mean, it's still publicity. <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah i just always like to just like you know try and get into these niches and like different ways of doing it and obviously because i'm a big gamer as it is anyway um i, I love the fact that i've now got stuff out on steam you know it just, That's much been such it just a makes cool me feeling. smile yeah just yeah it's really cool i mean i've i did reach out to nintendo to see if i could get um a nintendo dev kit because i thought um i could try and get like fiendish thieves on there and you can use like the switch um joy cons like a tv remote oh you can yeah, interact yeah. with it from there and i pitched all that to nintendo uh, but i still got my request denied um well it's funny because night trap is actually on the switch yeah night trap so i think what it, it's something to do with the, the nintendo um apparently it's quite easy to get onto nintendo but you've got to know what to say in that application so apparently if I, if I speak to someone that's already done it, they can really give me a few pointers and I'll probably get right. accepted. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Night Trap's on there, Double Switch is on there. Uh, but I mean, I just think using the Joy-Con as a remote, you can really add sort of like interactivity yeah, with it, yeah. Immersiveness, yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe you could tune it by using like the, um, the analog stick. 
uh, turn the volume up and down on it, and that would get over my audio problems I've got with the game. <laughs> um, you know, things like that. So I do think it would work really well, just like pointing it at the screen and doing that. But, you know, it's something to look at in the future yeah. if we ever get on those sort of platforms. I do think it's super interesting that, um, like, we're talking about how you've you've sort of, you're, you're remixing your interactivity over top of your uh, films, to, to get this discoverability, um, to, to sort of remix them and, and sort of make a new product, but also just kind of make it so that it can be seen on this new platform. Yeah, yeah. And yet a lot of the reach you have of people seeing the work is literally them watching someone do the interactivity. So yeah, the interactivity is like a way of getting people to watch the footage, but most people who are watching what you do are just watching it. Yeah. It's such an interesting, yeah. like, weird thing about Let's Plays, right? You're, you're yeah. taking a thing that people don't know about and it's hard to get in their hands um, that you just want them to watch. And you're like, oh, I'll make it interactive so that you can, they can buy it on this platform. But then actually most of the people who see it is via someone else playing it playing and them just watching yeah. it. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, and that, that was kind of a worry at the same time, I thought, is that, I mean, I always knew it was, it's a niche. I'm never yeah. going to get like massive, massive amounts of sales. But it was always a concern that I thought, you know, it, it is going to kind of kill my sales. But I do find a lot of the sales I get are off the back of people watching people play it because I think they want to then take it and show their friends. You know, if they've got friends around there having a drink one night, you've got to see this ridiculous game, you know? Yeah, so it's I like it go to movie night, well. burn a copy of the CD so you can show your friends type yeah. thing, right? I mean, also piracy. I mean, this is the other thing. I mean, like, my games are getting pirated and torrented. Oh, really? And um, Yeah, and they're getting, like, thousands and thousands of downloads. And I just think it's brilliant. I mean, I'm like, there's a, there's a guy on YouTube who did a, a, did a Let's Play, and his video was getting thousands of views. And I said to him, I said, why is your video getting so many thousands of views? He goes, I've traced it back to this site gave me the link and it was a piracy site and um yeah i went on it and so one of these big like cracking teams got dracula versus the ninja on the moon and they pirated it and i said there's been more downloads through piracy than there was of actual sales yeah um but i mean i don't i, I mean obviously i've been a filmmaker for a long time i've experienced this many times over the years and i just i, I kind of bless piracy i mean you know, I pirate stuff, <laughs> so I don't mind the fact that people are going to pirate my stuff as long as they get to see it. So yeah, I mean, it's great that they, you know all these people are getting to see this really obscure film that I made like all these years ago. Uh, it's fun. So yeah, yeah, I just embrace all of it. Really, all of it's good. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's another one of those uh, avenues of discoverability is is piracy, right? As you yeah. said, you've got just as many people seeing it in a different way. I I mean, it's not monetizable but it is I, you mentioned before that you some of the stuff you did was just for exposure and i guess you can kind of yeah. chalk this up as the same phenomenon yeah right? exactly exactly you know so i've always dealt with i mean like years ago uh, back in 2012 I, I mean the film that i've had the most um success with was i'm mean, in 2012 i made a um real-time comedy horror film called she's dead and out of everything I've ever made in my career, it was the best thing I ever did. It was a, it was the most sort of legit film I'd made. Um, I mean, it's still, 
it still it still had some extreme moments, and it had a bit of necrophilia with a chocolate bar in it. But um, as you do, <laughs> it, as you do. But it, it was like kind of my most sort of accessible film I made. It was a, it was a right. comedy horror film about three guys in a room um, for an hour. It ran in real time, trying to get rid of a corpse, and then it's like the sort of comedy that happens around that. And this film won me awards, and it's done really well. It's the best thing I've done. But at the time that came out. Um, it got pirated like just before it had a big screening in Germany and this was in 2012 I was still a bit fresher than I am now and 6,000 people downloaded it in a night it got onto one of the main torrent sites and uh, I woke up in the morning at first I was kind of heartbroken about it because of like I hadn't even got this film out physically at that point you know some screener had sent to someone at some festival or review site had, had leaked this film so I made a fake film to combat my real film being pirated. And I basically, I, I whipped up this animated film um, of a loop of this, this animated character pulling a face and loads of weird stuff happening on the screen uh, for an hour and a half. And basically I touted it as like the world's first subliminal animated horror film and dumped it on a torrent site to see how far this thing would go. I mean, I was expecting to see like Chinese uh, bootleg DVDs of it at the car boot sale. It didn't get that far, but it did get fairly, fairly far around the internet uh, for years. And it still crops up every every now and then. And that was like my way of like my knee jerk of like reacting to piracy. And that's kind of now become part of my like legacy, part of my film. The people still bring up this film I made all these years ago, Hector's Weight, this animated film that was really nonsense, but... Um, and from that point onwards I learned to think well why am I you know this is a great little project I've done here but I've done all that effort all this extra creativity because of the pirates I should just embrace what they did in the first place by getting more eyes onto my films and I've just stuck with that but yeah I have a, a a sort of really weird uh, fake film out there that you can hunt uh, I mean, I'm going to have to hunt it down now. Hector's Weight, yeah. Uh, I mean, people say they've seen stuff in it. People say they see a red dog in it and they um, they understand why why Hector's waiting. Um, but he, um, there's there's none of that. Uh, there's stuff, but there's not there's not the stuff that people tell me they found in it is not there. Um, oh man, that's it's, juicy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's become like quite an infamous film. Uh, I, mean, I did it under a fake name and everything like that. Uh, but I, I mean, I've admitted it's me on several occasions. Yeah. And then um, we've I put out a DVD of it. And I took to some conventions and that sold out. And every so often that comes up on eBay and it sells quite well. I wish I had some left in the garage because I could just <laughs> slowly, yeah. at once every eighteen months, send a couple, sell a couple copies. Every time I skin, just stick one up on, on online. Um, oh, I've had that with a few things. I mean, a few releases, uh, like some of my films, have been released on VHS, and some of them like fetch like quite high prices. Uh, I just wish, wish I had them to sell myself at those sort of prices. That's how it goes. You can never tell what's gonna be right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're, we're, we're getting close to the hour, but I did want, to, so, uh, I mean, you, like my exposure to you was through Dra- Dracula versus Ninja of the Moon. And you, you mentioned this, um, how you made it. And I'm actually, so again, I'm a big fan of sort of so bad, they're good movies. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I think they're really challenging because often they need to be made. So the fact that you said you set out to make this sort of B movie, that was yeah. bad on purpose. Uh, I I think it's actually usually when people try to do that they fail. Now it just doesn't work. Yeah. 
curious how if you have any comments on how you managed to thread that needle because often it's it's the sincerity for me at least it's when you see someone sincerely doing something that just ends up not working at all like i think that's like why the room. the room works right the room yeah. or anything by neil breen right these are yeah. batshit points of view done full full bore as i i'm trying to do this and it's just like boy does that is that a weird point yeah. of view and and that's yeah. why that's why it gets the so good the so good seems to be at least in my experience attached to this like sincerity for lack of a better term yeah i think with me is see i grew up in the video shops and like uh, when i say i mean i love video games but i love movies more than anything like movies literally are like my biggest obsession in the world uh, and as a kid i had no friends so they were like my best friend and i see movies in a different light to most people like i a lot of films that people will say are genuinely like amazing i can't stand and i like a lot of bad movies myself but i because i'm so into film i still appreciate all levels of film so whereas like something that is written down as like a great film i might not like it but i understand why it's a good film something that people say is a bad film but i'm obsessed with it i understand why it's a bad film so i really have got my head fully into that area and I think with Dracula versus the Ninja on the Moon, I mean, I was always wary of, you know, you set out to make something bad, it's not going to turn out the way you want to do it. But because I had such a keen interest in bad movies and I knew what worked and the way we made it and the way we went about making it and the way our heads were at the time, I think that was where the magic was captured. Um, because, I mean, like, it was second year of university um i i was pretty wasted most of the time you know and i I'd, I'd not i've not been into this world of going out and drinking and partying because i right. didn't have much of a childhood so i was fully involved in that i found a like-minded person that was on the same wavelength as me completely with all of this and i mean everybody that helped us do it was confused with what the fuck we were doing the whole way through making it i mean they were all all so confused. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the guy we painted blue, um, the Boink character, I mean, he was this, this really nice Christian dude on our course. And we said, look, can we use you to be in this film? And he, and he was the sort of person that would say yes to anything because he wants to help everybody out. And we're sticking him in a dress and painting blue, you know, and making him go Boink. And like, there's me and Mark sat there. I mean, I still remember everything, every memory of shooting that film is just laughter like i think every time if one of us wasn't laughing hard enough when we were shooting something then we needed to make it sillier and we needed to make it worse to make the other one laugh just as much as we did the time before and out of all the films i make i have some of the fondest memories of shooting that film even though it was so early on before i started doing the big stuff and before i even really knew i was going to be releasing films on dvd you know and then right uh, and it's like I said, for years I was embarrassed by it. But then when I keep thinking back of the legacy it had, that the fact that people were sharing it on DVD around the campus at the time, it was cool. But I didn't realise how cool that was that people were, you know, showing this at parties when they were drunk. You know, there was obviously something we had there, and I just didn't know at the time. So yeah, I mean, it was we did we did do it intentionally, but I think because of the way we were and our fondness of bad movies, we. Were an example where we managed to do it, and it worked. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think maybe. I mean, you sort of hit that, is that that laughter and that <clears throat> confusion is, I think, it's sort of kind of when I think about... The, so the laughter seems to speak to that sincerity of, like, you were trying to have a good time, even though yeah. you were doing crazy things that you knew were crazy. But I think maybe yeah. the bewilderment is, is part of it, too, because you think about... You hear interviews of people who've worked on the sets of some of these, like... Especially these, like self-funded auteur movies like Neil Breen or Tommy Wiseau, yeah. right? And everyone's just like, I, I I, was getting a paycheck and I didn't know what the heck was going on. And you can kind of see that in the performances and whatever. And it sounds yeah, like yeah, you guys kind of stumble yeah. upon that by just being in your own bubble together and yeah. just getting people to do things. And I think that's the way I've always tackled filmmaking as well. I mean, ever since then, um, you know, I mean, even with uh, films like She's Dead, I mean, where that was the first time I was working with real actors, you know, not just like friends. I mean, I, I knew these people, but they were still legit actors. And I was the only crew member. Right. And I've got I've got dyspraxia, um, which is a bit like dyslexia, but it's more your coordination. And I can't do camera work at all. I like uh, because of I, I know how to do it, but because of my dyspraxia, I'm all over the shot with cameras. Like I'm right. terrible. I'm a terrible cameraman. But filming that with knowing my limitations and then opening up to my to my cast who are also my crew, and then adapting my limitation, working with them to adapt my limitations into the story into the way it feels, you end up creating a whole new style. You know. Right, yeah. Because I'm, I'm open about my limitations straight away. I've got no money and I've got no coordination. So don't don't be moving too fast. <laughs> don't, don't let me pan across too much. And that, you know, that film was all about um, sort of being confined into one room. And I think because I had to keep static and I had to keep the actors static so I could keep them in shot because I'm, I'm going to make it look shit if I move, added to the claustrophobia of the film and made the film work. Right. So it's just it's just and the same like laughter made Dracula versus the Ninja and the Moonwalker. So it's like looking at what you've got and then turning that into some sort of positive force to end up putting the film out. Right, like you necessity know, is another. Yeah, and that's just the way I've always worked. Um, you know, I mean, some some sometimes films come out of nowhere. I mean, our Andrew WK film that was an interview. It never intended to be a film, but it became a film because. It was just like the most surreal lunchtime in my entire life, going around a zoo with a with an idol of mine going crazy wanting to bash their heads in of wild dogs, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's just working with what you got and just turning that moment, the energy in the moment, into a force to get it finished. I suppose. Awesome. Uh, so last question, um, it's got to be. Um, what are you planning? Do you have something, some dream project, you know, when the mythical aftertimes occur uh, to do? Like, is it going to be a pl- fully planned out FMV game where instead of backfilling, you can design the <laughs> whole thing? Or is there like a film project that's sort of on the back burners that, that you're so excited there's a to few do? things. There's a few things lined up. I mean, um, I've got like dream film projects that I always wanted to work on there was a documentary made about me um from 2012 to 2019 two filmmakers from london followed me everywhere uh, oh, wow. all over europe uh, they spent more money on this film than i've spent on all my films combined i mean it's serious business the producer of the film sold his last film to remake rights to a a-lister oh, wow. so it, these people really meant business they made this film about me and it's kind of like 
captures me making these films for little money and follows me around, captures me meeting my partner, uh, falling in love, moving oh, wow. from one end of the country to the other. And it's kind of like um, a British version of American movie. Have you ever seen that yeah. documentary about the about Neil Broadchild? But hopefully I'm not as bumbling as him. But <laughs> but yeah, so they, 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 they shot that. Um, I mean, they shot most of it between 2012 and 2017. They did a few pickup shots in 2019. As of yet, that's still not been released. But I was kind of hoping that when that comes out, it might open some more doors for me. Right. Um, I don't know. I think in some ways, I think it might be a bit too late now because a lot of the the gold stuff they got was from the, the early days, but they're still keen about releasing it. So that's called Heroic Moments. So look out if it ever does eventually come out. So that could open some doors. Another friend of mine is making a documentary about me um, on this whole NFT quest, right. um, trying to sell my movies as them. So those two things about me might might be able to spark up enough stuff for me to get involved in another project. Film-wise, I've got an idea of uh, kind of like a homage to my favourite film ever, The Monster Squad. Um, oh. but, so it's kind of like that. Uh, I've been working on it for... So I wrote the original script for it in like 2011 or something. Uh, but I've always wanted to do that. Um, but then game-wise, I want to make a fighting game. But oh. I want to make it... Um, like the fighting games of the 90s with digitized FMV characters. I was, was going to say, like OG yeah. Mortal Kombat? Like... Yeah, like OG Mortal Kombat and Pit Fighter. Nice. And I want to have cutscenes in between the fights telling a story as well. So that's that's like my dream project. And that's what I've been looking into at the moment. Uh, I mean, now I'm taking a back seat from releasing games monthly. I'm actually going to start learning a bit more about making a fighting game. Um, right. Because I've got a green screen and all the equipment. I know uh, actors and fighters that I could probably use. So I could probably start just picking away at that as a hobby for like the next year. And then right. maybe in a year's time, evaluate and see if it is worth tackling it as an actual project. Um, but I'm a big fan of fighting games. And I love those old old school sort of uh, digitized graphics and FMV style. So I think I could be onto something there. So that, that's my projects I've got lined up. Very cool. Um, excellent. Well, uh, thanks again, Nick, for, for joining us. Um, why don't you, uh, this is, this is the point where you do the plugs, he says, and one of the worst segues of the episode, but here we are. <laughs> um, yeah. If people want to see more of your stuff, um, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Nick FMV Dev. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, um, at Dyslexic Nick, uh, Dyslexic spelled D-I-S-L E X S I C K N I K, um, where I do. I my channel was for many years was a movie collecting channel uh, and promoting my movies I made. Recently, I turned it into a game dev channel, but I am going to start putting my old movie videos back on there because I think they're worth a watch if you like learning about obscure movies. Um, you can find me on Steam. Let's go to the Grindhouse on itch.io. Let's go to the Grindhouse. And if you want to listen to me on a podcast talking about the most random TV show ever created, Baywatch Nights, where David Hasselhoff is a lifeguard that fights vampires and chases um, rollerblading um, bank robbers. This show is just batshit fucking bonkers. You don't need to have seen the program. Check us out on all the major podcast platforms, Evenings with Mitch Buchanan. Uh, if you want a funny podcast to listen to, um, please give us a go. You'll you enjoy it. It's fun. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. 
Uh, you can find me at the Omniarch. You can find the show and everything else we do uh, at uh, Out of Lives Network, Out of Lives Net on Twitter. Outoflives.net is our website where you can find the other podcasts and VODs and Let's Plays and articles on pop culture gaming stuff. Um, and of course, please like, subscribe, give a review on your podcatcher of choice, uh, follow if you're here joining us on Twitch and all those jazzes uh, that would really help and tell a friend, um, you know, get more of uh, the word out there. And then uh, that's that's us for another week. Uh, I've been Adil. I've been Nick. Bye. Bye. Sweet. <laughs> www.outoflives.net. <laughs>